Good evening. I'd like to call this May 16th, 2022 meeting of the Williamson County Board of Education to order. Board members, if you'll please record your attendance. Eleven present, one absent. Thank you, sir. Now we'll ask our deputies to lead us in the Pledge of Allegiance, which will be followed by a moment of silence. Deputies. Thank you, board members and guests. You may be seated. We now come to uh, what we refer to as public comment, uh, items of particular public interest. Uh, we have 15 speakers signed up to speak tonight. There are a couple of folks who haven't checked in, so we'll see if they're here by the time I call names. Um, and and um, speakers, as you're, as you're getting ready, um, what I will do is go ahead and tell you that it looks like you'll have about two minutes to speak tonight. Um, and Mr. Casey Haw is our timekeeper. Mr. Haw, if you'll raise your hand and you'll, you will hear from him when your time is up. Thank you. Um, let me just go ahead and quickly read the, the rules that accompany uh, public comment. 30 minutes will be placed on the agenda for the chair to recognize individuals and to make comments. At the discretion of the chair, this time may be extended, and it will be extended a bit tonight. Um, Williamson County residents and WCS employees shall have first priority to speak. In the event time remains, uh, the chair may allow non-residents to speak. All persons addressing the board will state their name. You've already provided your addresses. Thank you very much. And provide the name of the organization or group you are representing, if that is indeed the case. The board reserves the right to limit the time of any speaker and the chair shall have to have the authority to terminate the remarks of any individual who is disruptive or who does not adhere to board rules. And that is uh, board policy 1.403. So speakers, I'll call you up two at a time. Our first two speakers are Beverly Perry and Bonnie Young. Beverly, I'm sorry. I also need to turn on your mic, so please go ahead. Okay. The Edmondson principal, literacy coach, and first grade lead teacher were suspended for eight days pending an investigation due to demands of one parent whose child is not even in the first grade team leader's class. These three were removed from their position without warning, explanation, and pay, stripped of their dignity, and basically treated as criminals. This fiasco resulting from lack of proper policy and haphazard investigation needs to be addressed immediately. We must protect our teachers. That is the job of the school board. It can't be okay for one to make claims against staff and subsequently damage their reputation and career. Teacher trauma is real. 
Not only have you publicly shamed this teacher in a slanderous email from Julie Orr, but you have traumatized her personally and professionally. She was teacher of the year last year and made national news in regards to student equality, yet district admin ignored that. Her students' current and past data, her professional judgment as a seasoned teacher to pursue the agenda of one parent. Edmondson has long been a high-ranking school of distinction across our state, currently being named 18th best. As teachers, we are required to teach state standards for our specific grade level. As educated professionals, we are taught to find the best resources to teach those standards based on individual student needs. It is our job to reach every student. Expecting one curriculum to be able to do that is absurd. I've spoken with multiple parents who have said their Ames Web scores have decreased in this last semester due to teachers being forced to use Williamson County's adopted curriculum only. Being unable to deviate from the script has caused students' individual needs to not be met. The way this was handled was detrimental to teachers, staff, and first grade students and also deeply affected the entire Edmondson community and beyond because of one parent's complaint. What about the voices of all the other parents who thought the teachers were doing an amazing job? We face a teacher shortage in Williamson County Schools. The blatant disrespect given to our professionals by the district will be the cause of phenomenal teachers leaving in droves. We demand you fight for our teachers and in doing so, fight for our children. We demand you do better. Thank you. Thank you. Our next speaker is Bonnie Young. I'm Bonnie Young, hello. All right, so this right here represents the parents who've been campaigning to ban and censor our children's books and getting teachers like Mrs. Joyner at Edmondson Elementary fired or suspended because of their feelings about how things should be taught. It's really loud, isn't it? But it doesn't really add up to much. Meanwhile, here's the rest of your constituents, okay? We're over here. You can't hear us because we're too busy leading fulfilling lives with our family to find hidden agendas and plots everywhere, okay? So how is it that these parents get to make the choices for our children, for everyone else's? Who is giving them the power? Because there is a real plan to dismantle our public school system so that we will have to go the private school route with vouchers. I know how this goes. That's how my, that's how my family made money, by the way. Um, so that's also why our teachers aren't getting paid fair wages like my husband, who's a special educator here. He deserves to get paid to live here. We live here. And it is a slap in the face to be told you don't deserve to get paid enough to live here with your children. And talking about bringing in teachers from out of the county, that's ridiculous. Just pay the teachers here, okay? We used to not have any vacancies, now we do. And it's all because of these parents getting their way over the rest of us. So please listen to the rest of your families that we love our teachers, we love our school board, please take care of us and our kids and stop doing the bidding of these extremists. Thank you so much, have a good night. Our next speakers are Michael Miller and Preston Grady. Good evening, I'm Michael Miller. I had actually planned for one minute, not two, so I'll slow down my pace. Um, ter terms like age inappropriate, CRT, parent choice, are facades that parents, and indeed some current school board members, and candidates utilize to shield their prejudice and ignorance under the guise of protecting childhood innocence while attacking our teachers and schools. I urge this board to veto any policies which institutionalize or otherwise validate these ridiculous sentiments. 
The hatred behind these terms is insidious, scaring away great teachers and destroying this community. At last month's board meeting, a brave student at Franklin High School shared her story of being a repeated target of anti-Semitism. Last week, there was a racial hate crime at Ravenwood High School. Undoubtedly, these are not isolated incidents and not unconnected from the earlier part of my speech. New penalties were announced for such brazen acts of hatred. I applaud that, but I'll contend that they do not go far enough. Like decency, hatred is learned and reinforced in the home. Therefore, I suggest that any parents of any accused be required to complete the same coursework on tolerance that their child is for the infraction. They'll know verbatim what was said to their child, be equipped to reinforce the message, and maybe learn a thing or two themselves. Thank you. Preston Grady. Hi, uh, my name is Preston Grady, and I'm the president of Ravenwood High School's Gender and Sexuality Alliance, GSA for short. I'd like to discuss the new censorship and book banning policies that y'all are considering implementing. I'd like to start off by saying that Ravenwood's GSA includes over 90 members, meaning that roughly 1 in 20 students in the school are LGBT. Williamson County GSAs collectively have over 500 students, which means that 500 households and thousands of students are affected by these policies. Nationwide, LGBT youth are more than four times as likely to attempt suicide than their heterosexual classmates. Let me tell you about our specific demographics in my club. Not a single one of our members in Ravenwood's GSA are mentally healthy. Too often, I have students in my GSA who come to me telling me that they're suicidal. Within the last month, I've had to talk two friends out of suicide. I'm an 18-year-old, not a trained mental health professional, but I'm the closest thing that many of my students have to an accepting adult in their lives. <sighs> All of this said, these policies do nothing more than say that LGBT students are not welcome within Wilco schools. By banning literature and education regarding LGBT students, you're telling an entire group of people that they are, quote, not appropriate to exist in public settings for something that they cannot help. Additionally, I'd like to add that I have a 10-year-old sister at Crockett Elementary School. Within my house, LGBT people are equal and respected. Don't you, think, don't you think that will confuse her? How do you think she's going to feel when she hears that she is not allowed to learn about LGBT people in schools? Don't you think that will confuse her more than just leaving the subject alone, allowing her to read those books if she so chooses? And she is certainly not the only one in this predicament. By censoring LGBT books, you were saying that an ideal Williamson County is composed of only straight people. And the fact of the matter is, we are much more diverse than this. People flock to Williamson County because of our kind, welcoming nature, and censorship is not reflective of that. So when are our actions going to match our words? In a final closing word, Tennessee ranked... Time. Thank you. Our next speakers are Hannah Kim and April Garza Wright. Hello, I'm April Garza Wright. Um, I'm a parent and resident of Williamson County, and I want to speak to the racisms within our school. The beginning isn't the mass shooting we saw in Buffalo this weekend. The beginning is the racial slurs and the idea that one race is superior to another based on the lack of understanding and the differences that exist among us that are not celebrated and want to be exterminated. Why did Russian soldiers ransack a principal's house in search of books teaching Ukrainian language and history? Because education is the light by which we live. What we are taught influences how we live. At my son's school, there have been multiple incidences involving the use of the N-word. 
There are incidents, there was just an incident last week. Our principal does what she can to remind students to be kind with their words, but the expectations of zero tolerance of hate-based language and actions needs to be directed from the central office. As suggested by Fostering Healthy Solutions, there needs to be leadership established within our school system that encourages the learning and diversity and inclusion. There needs to be a culture of excellence, not only for academics, but also for diversity and inclusion. Our children can only benefit from learning to respect the differences amongst us and to celebrate those differences. We must instill in them the seeds of empathy and tolerance. We all want our kids to feel safe at school, to know that they have steps they can take to report threatening and intimidating occurrences at school. I am here today to ask for the improvement in school policies that aim to reduce an unsafe school environment that kids of color are experiencing. Collectively, we agree that bullying exists because we have listened to those affected by bullying and, ne and the negative impact an unsafe school environment can have on that child. We listen and help that child. I'm asking that you listen to the children in our school system and you accept that their experiences are with what their experiences are with racism in our schools and for you to create a no hate policy in our school that addresses hate-based actions against students. Hate actions are a form of bullying. Bullying by definition seeks to harm or intimidate someone. This is exactly how people of color feel when they are involved in hate-based situations at school, in the very place they are supposed to feel safe and supported. Stopbullying.gov states that research has shown that when adults are responded to quick... Thank you. Hannah Kim. Good evening, my name is Hannah Kim and I'm a senior, a senior at Centennial High School representing One Wilco tonight. During my time at Centennial, I've received several instances of microaggression. Although they seem small and insignificant at the microscopic level, the accumulation of these insensitive comments have impacted my self-esteem negatively. For example, I've received ridicule from fellow students and even a teacher for creating an Asian American club that was supposed to be a sort of a safe haven for the small Asian American population at my school. A student asked if they can create a white American club in response is not only inappropriate but offensive. Responses like this one is the reason why my friends and I have created a club. Oftentimes, I feel as though us minorities are reduced to be small and ignored. If I can have enough compassion towards teachers who confuse names at the beginning of the school year. But if you misidentify me for another Asian girl who looks nothing like me when it's May, I have no words to justify that careless mistake. And if you're teaching a classroom full of people of color, I would hope that you would be a little more cognizant of what you say. Calling my culture's food gross and that it looks, it looks like intestines with a disgusted face may be a reason why I don't eat lunch at school. Oddly enough, I feel as though I've gained respect because I'm going to Yale this fall, but should I have to earn respect from others through my academic performance? I've been lucky enough to receive some of the less severe forms of microaggression. I think that largely, contribu largely contributes to me being a high achieving student. But I'm here tonight to advocate for all students regardless of their grades or race or gender or sexuality for that matter. Every student at WCS deserves an, an equal amount of respect and care and attention because we are the next leaders. And if we aren't given good examples to follow, we will be the exemplary models for adults to admire. Thank you. Our next two speakers are Tajel High and Madison Jones. Tajel High and Madison Jones. Good evening, Tajel High with One Wilco. What more do you need to see to acknowledge that you as a district administration and board are not doing enough to provide a safe and nurturing educational environment for all of our kids? and in fact, by your slow and inadequate education, are complicit in the rise of harassment of non-white, LGBTQ, and non-Christian kids. 
You received expert guidance based on significant research and input from the community from fostering healthy solutions. One of the findings, we are a community divided, that bigoted views are, are really comfortable being shared in our community. Um, people like me, my children that don't conform to these ideals of white straight Christians should leave if they don't like it here. I've heard that in this room. That the school districts remove all books from school and replace with the Bible. I've heard that in this room. Um, that, uh, that we should continue to skew the teaching of history and other subjects to ensure that white children feel comfortable, even to the detriment of other non-white students. I've heard that in this room. You did not need a consultant to tell you that we had these issues within our community. You hear it here month after month. Even with this information right in front of you, you still seem surprised when these actions of these kids coming and telling you what's happening in their schools happen and you're not doing enough about it. Since that report, you spent needless time, money, and effort pandering to parents that want to campa campaign against the professionals of the school district, that want to ban books, that want, you want, that want to attack teachers that are teaching inclusive things in their classroom, that are making frivolous challenges about apps that people in the country are using without any problem. That's what you're spending time on. Mind you, people are coming here with urgent issues and you're not doing enough. I need you to step up and take urgency and with the people that are speaking to your constituents and the kids that come here month after month and tell you what's happening and you still don't take that kind of urgent action. It's enough is enough. I've been coming to the school board meetings for years, listening to the same things, listening to the promises of what we're going to do and we are not doing enough. We have to take this more seriously. You guys have to hold yourself accountable to your own actions. Time. Madison Jones. Good evening. My name is Madison Jones. I'm a senior at Nolansville High School, and I'm also representing One Wilco. It's hard for a racially diverse group like One Wilco to understand why in 2022, our public school board is debating about whether students should have access to significant literature or to be taught how to think critically about our rich American history. How can we pursue excellence in education while continuously undermining our teachers, librarians, administrators, and procedures? It is beyond clear that every complaint raised about our school's curriculum has been assessed, considered, researched, discussed, and attended to in painstaking detail. Our public schools should never, ever be used as a pawn by those seeking to minimize our history. For the sake of our children, let clear thinking prevail. Provide the opportunity for children to opt out of material that is not agreed upon by their peers or their parents. We have the right to learn, and we should not limit the knowledge of others because it may feel uncomfortable to others. We cannot pick and choose our history. Our families of color deserve better, our teachers deserve better, our staff deserves better, and I really hope that your vote tonight to review the committee's comprehensive, transparent, and well-informed recommendation. Thank you. Our next two speakers are Jaden Moore and Jojo Million. Jaden Moore, Jojo Million. My name is Jaden Moore. I'm representing the uh, Black Student Alliance at Ravenwood High School. Um, I was a victim of a hate crime last week. Uh, the student who did this was quickly caught. Was quick, he was quickly caught with the help of the SROs and uh, my teachers. But the issue is that he only got three days of ISS, and uh, we voiced our uh, 
opinions and unhappiness to our principal, and our principal was very helpful, and uh, we got the policy changed to uh, 10 days ISS along with, um, <laughs> I'm sorry, 10 days ISS along with education about the, uh, the victim's ethnicity. We're hopeful to make this inc we're hopeful to make this incident a, a difference and better for the future to come. I want to make this clear that we are not attacking the Ravenwood High School or the student who committed this act. We're coming together and we're attacking racism as a whole. To everybody who is not taking this serious, you're part of the problem, and I hope you wake up before it's too late. If you're defending the student's actions, we are not scared of you, we will not stop, and you cannot stop the change that is going to come. We're hopeful to make this change. Thank you very much. JoJo Million. Hello, um, I'm JoJo Million, representing um, Ravenwood High School students. Hello, I am JoJo Million, a student at Ravenwood. Fellow students of all races and I share um, a common issue, censorship of black history, culture, and revolutions, as well as constant oppression. We as a school experienced an N-word put on a black student's computer. While the punishment was ISS, there was no lesson taught on the historical usage of the N-word. A better solution would be teaching the impact of racial slurs in, in, as a restorative practice. I think this action was a, uh, was a lack of accuracy and truth about black culture in our lectures, which avoid teaching about race as well as racism. The inequality of removing black history from enrichments does not only hurt black people, it hurts students of all races. Students can handle the truth and prevent these situations from continuing to happen. From the music that they listen to or the shoes that they wear, students should be able to learn not about only the hardships of slavery, but the beauty of culture that is formed of the things that they love and enjoy today. Teaching our youth about our past can create a resilient future that promises less, less violence and safer environments for places like Brentwood where we call home. I hear your distress, I hear your aggravation, but we cannot claim to have justice nor liberty if it's truly not for all. Thank you. Our next speaker is, let me call up two folks, Kristen Gillian and Kate Keese. Good evening. My name is Dr. Kristen Gillen. I am the Director of Outreach and Advocacy for the Warren Center for Neuroscience Drug Discovery that's part of Vanderbilt Medical School, and, but we're located in Cool Springs. Um, I want to introduce Williamson County Schools to a free outreach program we're offering in hopes that you might implement it into your uh, middle schools, high schools, and possibly even elementary schools. Why are we invested in this? Um, twofold. Uh, one is to address the number of uh, increase in cases in Middle Tennessee of substance abuse and, and um, substance use and abuse, depression, anxiety, suicidal ideation, uh, worst case suicide, self-harm, cutting, and overdose deaths of adolescent children and young adults. Why am I invested in this? Because I lost my son at the age of 22 to an accidental overdose after he suffered from drug-induced schizophrenia from smoking marijuana during middle school. 
Uh, this, what is the program? There's a website that teaches about adolescent brain development. It has a documentary that goes over adolescent brain development, teaches kids about their brains, how beautiful they are, what's going on, why they feel the way they do. Um, we go into neuroplasticity to teach kids the importance of building a healthy mind and everything, their actions, their environments, their thoughts, everything they do, it, how it impacts their brain. We also talk about coping skills for anxiety, depression, giving them mindfulness, techniques, breathing techniques, self-compassion, and self-love. And I can tell you that everything I'm hearing tonight, that will help with that as well. Um, I grew up, or my son grew up in an affluent community, San Luis Obispo, and there was plenty of drug use because of the number, of the amount of money that kids have, and everybody wanted to keep it quiet. They have lost so many children to suicide and overdose. Kids are smart. They need to know this information, knowledge is power. We at the Warren Center want to deliver this to them, and I hope that you will find some time to get to, with me so I can talk to you about this free, beautiful program. Thank time. you. Kate Keese. Hi, everybody. My name's Kate Keese. Um, building muscle happens when you work out and you tear little muscle fibers and more muscle fiber is laid down, and that's how you get stronger, by breaking things up. It's uncomfortable. Growth can be uncomfortable. That's actually how you know it's happening. My family has been in this country for more than 400 years, mostly in South Carolina. They did terrible things. They probably did some good things. But to deny the fact of what they did is to deny their humanity and mine and the humanity of everyone in this room. No one in this room is perfect. I don't think anyone would claim it. We do good things. We do bad things. We must tell the truth about all of it repeatedly. It is uncomfortable. It is hard. And that is how we grow. I need you to trust that my children are strong enough to handle this. I need you to tell them the truth. I will have conversations with them at home to help provide context for that. But you have to tell them the truth. I understand that you all are thinking about changing the schedule and maybe leaving early one day. I would suggest rather than leaving early that we take that time to do some small community building, to have truth-telling circles, to have difficult conversation courses. Clearly the parents struggle with this. The way you all have been spoken to in this room is unacceptable. Time. Time. Thank you. Our last three speakers, Ravita Rockman, Alana Truss, and Ash Wang. Well, hello again. Principal Vaden's prompt response, prompt decision to change the RHS policy for racist acts led me to tears of joy this weekend, that something has finally been done. The money spent to analyze racism in WCS with a consultant 
was well spent, but we need action now. One will go along with the black students are tired of waiting for our protection. Dr. Vaden's revisions to encourage a system-wide policy against racism has been shared. But did you all catch how easy that was for her? At the most diverse school in the district, the adage, what are you going to do about it, was resolved with factual and thoughtful action. Now Ravenwood has consequences that WCS has never had before. Consequences that one Wilco has been asking for for quite some time. When our leaders respond to racist acts at school with this is not who we are, they are wrong. This is exactly who we are. That's why these incidents continue to occur. I challenge every principal in WCS to listen to your black students, the trauma and racism, and create policies for change. Ravenwood students who protested, I am so proud of you. We are asking the school board to follow the recommendations in the FHS report with the same urgency that you used for the 35 book complaints at scales. You have the ability to act now. The question is, do you want to? Thank you. Alana Trust. Hi, I'm Alana Truss. I'm a WCS parent, a local clinical psychologist, and also a member of One Wilco. I'll start, first of all, by expressing my extreme pride in these students here and those who supported them last week in the face of a racist incident. They bravely stood up. They asked to be seen and heard. I'm also grateful for Dr. Vaden, who supported their peaceful protest, committed to more impactful consequences for future racist incidents. If Dr. Vaden can do this, so can our district. Consistent, predictable, and meaningful consequences will certainly serve to reduce these behaviors. Consequences, though, provide only a surface fix. Changing behaviors, but not hearts and minds. True change requires understanding the honest history of race in our country, its ongoing impact, and why these incidents are so hurtful. Unfortunately, this is the very history that state leadership and some of our community members are trying to keep out of our schools under the guise of it making students uncomfortable. I promise you that learning this history will make your children uncomfortable. I also promise you that our children can handle this discomfort and that with the right supports, this discomfort will fuel the kind of deep change that we need in our schools. I'm here to ask that this administration lead this change on ensuring that we're tackling the racism present in our schools on both a surface and a deep level by ensuring consistent and meaningful discipline practices and by committing to requiring that history be taught accurately. Thank you so much. Our final speaker, Ash. Okay. Thank you so much for that information. Uh, everyone at this time will take a five minute break so that if, if some of this, if some people who were here for public comment uh, need to exit, that way it won't be a disruption to the meeting. So five minutes.
Well, and running into cars, taking out walls. I can totally do that. Please move to your seats. Please be seated. Board members, if you'll please be seated. I can't believe we didn't think about it either. Thank you, everyone. Our next item on the agenda is the approval of the agenda for tonight. Is there a motion to approve? Mr. Welch makes the motion to approve. Is there a second? Ms. Abria makes the second. Is there any discussion? If not, board members, please cast your votes. Your vote is 11 yes, 0 no. Thank you, sir. The next item is the approval of the consent agenda. Is there a motion to approve? Mr. Brown makes the motion to approve. Is there a second? Mr. Cash makes the second. Any discussion, board members? Please cast your votes. Your vote is 11 yes, 0 no. Thank you, board. With that vote, you have approved the following. The April 18th, 2022 school board meeting minutes, the easement at Trinity Elementary and Park, the TDOT easement at Fairview High and Middle, and the recommendation for field trip requests. It's now um, time for communications to the board, and the first of these is the superintendent's report. Mr. Golden. Thank you, Madam Chair, and thank you all for being here tonight. Uh, I want to say first that I very much appreciate public comment, especially the students. So often when we have students speak to us, we later speak about the value in hearing our student voices. And uh, the, the last uh, comment that we heard for the, for the student who wasn't here, who was in orchestra, reminded me of our arts event just last week. Uh, and for those of you board members who were there, you know that a lot of heartfelt thoughts, deep thoughts can be expressed in art. And we heard some of that. And some of the issues that were brought up in public comment were brought up in some of the art that our students presented to us uh, at that senior arts showcase. For those of you who didn't watch that, I definitely encourage you uh, to, to do that. I also want to let you know that some of what, uh, some of what was discussed 
also reminded me of the goals that we set uh, as, a, as board members and as a district related to my work as superintendent. One of the items that I attached a little over a week ago, maybe two weeks ago, when I gave you my report, uh, my, my most recent report of my goals included that Fostering Healthy Solutions Recommendations Report. Uh, and I want to remind us that the first three items that, that, that the Fostering Healthy, Healthy Solutions Report addressed was policy handbook with some recommendations to create templates so that there's consistency district-wide related to related to uh, our, our, our standards for teachers and students. Second, uh, disciplinary action, reviewing our disciplinary decisions at the administrative level to ensure consistency district-wide in communication. Uh, we talked to items such as the piloting of our bullying app uh, and some other items. We have some room to grow uh, in all of those, but I see some growth that we've, that we've worked on this year uh, and that we'd be working on this summer to make sure that we have uh, a growth towards consistency and the consequences for that. But it is about teaching respect. We've worked on that over the years with different programs, uh, and that needs to be an ongoing effort to, to encourage all of our students and teachers to teach each other, to treat each other with respect. A part of that is getting to know people. The more you know someone, I am convinced, the, the better you will be able to treat others, the more consistent you will be able to be in being decent to others. So there's, there has to be an element of getting to know each other uh, at the school level as well. Uh, we did have a couple of public comments at the very beginning that I'd like to briefly address. We have an obligation every time there's an accusation of someone not following what we should be following to investigate. And we're gonna do it every time. We're gonna do everything we can to treat all with respect in those settings. Uh, and sometimes as part of that, our human resources department needs to suspend individuals pending that investigation. Ultimately, when it comes to a decision, uh, those, 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 those suspensions pending investigation do not have a bearing on the ultimate decision related to whether and, and to what extent someone needs discipline. I will tell you publicly that in the example that was raised, uh, no teachers received any monetary suspension because that was what was right. That was what was appropriate based on the human resources investigation. Sometimes investigations are hard, but they need to be done every time when there's an investigation, I mean, when there's a need for that investigation. Uh, also, I wanna to mention to you some other items unrelated to public comment. And I, I briefly addressed this at our work session. The state has passed 81 new bills related to education in this past legislative session. Uh, we are in the process and some other entities across the state are in the process of analyzing those. Um, I actually expect to be attending uh, a, a, a superintendent seminar in just a few days with, with the beginnings of that analysis so that we can double check ourselves and make sure that we're taking the right action to be compliant with those new state laws. In addition to the quality work that we're doing right now in trying to grow how we serve everyone. One of those big items is the budget item, what's, what's being called TISA, uh, the Tennessee Investments in Students Act, if I've actually, if I've mentioned that appropriately. Wanna make sure everyone knows 
that funding model does not go into effect this coming school year. It's a year out. There's going to be a lot of work towards that. We're under the existing uh, uh, state funding model this year. Related to that, our county commission will be voting on our budget in late June. We actually have a couple of items that are that are related to next year's budget on the agenda, and it specifically relates to our pay charts. That's the last item on the agenda. Board members, I want to thank you for that work. Finding ways to, to make the profession of education, especially in Williamson County, meet the, you know, have the ends meet, meet the needs of our teachers is a, is a critically important element. I want to thank you board members for where you've gone this year. We spent a lot of time in the middle of this year finding a way to get a pay increase for our teachers mid-year. We're doing the same again for this fall as we continue to, to fight that battle to make sure we can provide our teachers and other staff uh, a living income in this ever-changing environment. One piece related to that is inflation. I think we all know inflation's happening. We have seen that our sales tax numbers have increased. In part, that's because the cost of goods is, has increased. I am convinced that when that happens, we have a responsibility to pass that on to our professionals who are doing the work. They're the ones feeling the increase in prices. It's important for us to pass that on so that we can improve our teacher and staff retention and grow them. Uh, finally, final item I, I wanted to mention is we do have one difference. Well, actually, I'm gonna actually two differences in tonight's agenda compared to the work sessions. Ms. Garrett will speak to the one item that's been postponed to June related to our early release late start planning. Uh, we did have one call for one number that's changed and we will address that when we get to that item related to one of the budget items to, uh, to close out the year. So with that, Carol Birdsong tells me we have an overwhelming number of celebrations. And y'all, this is the time of year where those celebrations largely come. And so we are so excited for us to share some of the great things our students have done uh, this past year, most especially this past month. So yes, sir, Mr. Golden and school board members, as Mr. Golden was saying, if you missed the fabulous fine arts showcase, you can go to the district's YouTube channel, go to the InFocus email newsletter, click on that link and you can watch it and you can see 13 of our fabulous students perform in all areas of the arts. Also, you can go to InFocus or the front of our website right now if you are so inclined and learn about the Ravenwood High School JROTC Robotics National Champions. Yes, I said national. This is a first for Ravenwood and a first for our school district. So exciting. They are national champions and it's in tipping point. That's why you need to go to the website and in focus to read exactly what that is because I cannot explain that to you. But I do want you to meet Mark Bell, uh, Adwi Sadawati, and Connor Tasek, and they are their advisor is Chief Warrant Officer for Russ Hayes. Now, we also have 10 perfect ACT composite uh, scoring students that we want to honor this evening. Brentwood has four. This is Raymond Gardock, William Hong, 
Molly McMullen and Luca Santilli from Brentwood. Nathan Dinoya, Hannah Wimpy from Ravenwood, Matthew Mueller, Andrew Salmon, Sophia Wong, and Caitlin Wotak. Always one of my favorite, the National Academy of Television Arts and Sciences. Yes, I say it every year. These are the student awards from the folks who do the Emmys. This is big stuff. These are regional awards. Once again, Brentwood High School has won for the best newscast. Their instructor is Ronnie Adcock. Franklin High School brought home a lot of awards in this. Uh, this is Matt Perry, who won for Best Animation, Graphics, and Special Effects. This is Emmeline Warden, who won for Best Arts, Entertainment, Cultural Affairs. And folks, I want you to meet Graham Wynn. Graham won three awards. Best Nonfiction, Best Director, and Best Writing. I would love it. If you would go look at Franklin High's YouTube channel or look at our In Focus newsletter where we honor these students, Graham's piece is his family's and his own personal journey dealing with mental illness, depression, and suicide. And it is powerful um, and raw. So I would encourage you to take a look at that. Their instructor at Franklin is Carrie Thompson. For Best Public Service Announcement, Anna Laura Morales, Simone Jones, and Ryan Moody uh, from Ravenwood High School. Best Sports, Matthew Bowen and Owen Reed, Ravenwood High School. And Best Commercial, Olivia Freeman and Ella Ridland, Megan Sanchez, and Chelsea Kite are the instructors over at Ravenwood. Now we're going to talk about DECA. And these students are from Brentwood High School, first place in personal financial literacy, Colin Carpenter. First place in role play in entrepreneurship series, Ishan Chandra. First place in principles of finance, James Kimarotz. I'm going to mess it up. I'm sorry, James. Uh, Lisa Neese is their teacher at Brentwood Franklin High School, Savannah Mann. First place in marketing communication series, Fisher Anderson and Adam Ray, first place in sports and entertainment marketing. Their teacher, Anita Rowanbeck, Page High School. Sam Ross, first place principals of marketing. Leah Roby, principals of hospitality, first place. Tristan Brown, their teacher from Ravenwood High School, first place financial consulting, Ankar Apode. First place in Community Giving Project, Shumani, Shumani oh, um, I practiced these names too, Kumar, um, Harshia, Shriamuja, uh, let's see, Shani McGee is their instructor. Also from Ravenwood, International Business Plan, Gian Rioditsa and Ari Alibi. Now, Technology Student Association State Leadership Conference High School Division Engineering Design Champions from Page High School, Aditya Dungigala and Jabe Saravani, Jackson Ovila, 
Brennan Wallen, their teachers, Lori Malden and Kathy Dye. And y'all, we have four, four, count them, four, Country Music Association Foundation Music Teachers of Excellence to celebrate. Elena Gallus, y'all have seen her before. She was our elementary school teacher of the year from Edmondson Elementary School. This is Tiffany Turner from Brentwood Middle School. And from Page Middle School, Evan Burton. And from Nolansville, Michael Holland. Yes, we have a lot to celebrate. Congratulations to all of our students and staff members. Madam Chair, that's my report. Thank you, Mr. Golden. Moving on to the board chair report. I want to say congratulations tonight to our transition students who are participating in their graduation ceremony this very night and um, very sorry that some of us could not be there. Uh, but we greatly um, are, we want to express our congratulations to all these students and all these families. So just wanted to headline with that. And then uh, Mr. Golden did mention that uh, I was going to provide explanation about why we decided to uh, move the late start early dismissal discussion and, and vote to next month. Um, when I went and looked back at the April uh, discussion at the work session, there were two points that influenced my decision. The first is that there was conversation about a survey, but there was never commitment made by staff to actually perform a survey. There was, there, there was a statement that, we, that staff would discuss the survey. Um, so that is one thing that I think that we discussed at our work session that we thought was, was something that, that we'd asked for, did not receive. But in the actual, if, I went, if you go back and listen to the discussion, it was never, um, staff never said we will conduct the survey. Um, now that's I, that's not saying that that I'm I'm not saying that staff dropped the ball. I think that you know this is a situation where uh, maybe a detail was lost, and here's another situation where maybe a detail was lost. Um, as a board, we were asked specifically, um, and there's documentation of it in the board packet uh, with the draft plan. Um, we were asked to please carefully consider this proposed change over the next few weeks and send any questions to our leadership team in preparation for the May board meeting. So it looks like that maybe that slipped our minds. So in the spirit of teamwork, I felt like the best chance for a robust um, sort of discussion and opportunity for community input would be to move that to the June meeting. Um, one of our board members did say in that discussion, did invite public comment and did say, you know, we really do need to check with the public on this. Um, but if we feel like that that wasn't done, then I feel like it's only fair for us both to accept some responsibility for that and then move forward. So what I would ask is that as we prepare for the June meeting, we do provide that feedback prior to the meeting and be prepared for a discussion at the work session. And if, if we will provide that information uh, to staff early enough for them to prepare to respond, I think that will be really helpful. Um, as a reminder, staff has been at our request getting our work session packets out 
six days in advance. They're getting them out every Friday and our discussions are on the following Thursday. So I, they will continue this practice and will not only have time to turn in information um, before the meeting, before that six days, but if there are changes that are resulting from our input to staff, then we'll be able to see those six days prior to the meeting. So I just, I did want to give the board and the public an explanation about that. Moving ahead. Um, yeah, sorry. Yes. Come on. Go ahead. Just wanted to ask. So obviously we're, you're asking us to, to get feedback. I just appointed Jason or what's your, what's your plan for between now and before you make a decision on a, on a proposal, do you know what you, what you plan to do? Well, number, number one, uh, we do want to continue to hear from you as board members. What we heard at, or what I heard, my understanding of what we discussed at the work session was that there was, that there was no consensus, that there was a mix that I put into three buckets basically. And maybe that's, that's too much of a oversimplification. One, um, uh, an acknowledgement of, of uh, the likelihood that, that the Wednesday, Wednesday recommendation was a possibility to consider leaving the secondaries alone with their, with their Mondays and a consideration of a Wednesday for, for elementary school students. And then three, a concern about adding elementary at all. Um, and again, maybe a gross oversimplification, but but given another month, we'll have an opportunity for us to have some more one-on-one -on -one conversations about what each of you uh, think, think about this, this proposal. One big piece of the elementary, and we alluded to this at our meeting, was when, when we discussed hearing, hearing a little more from parents, uh, we, we talked about adjusting the, the, uh, the transportation plan with elementary and you may notice that in the April proposal and the May document, there's a difference in that transportation because we make it clear that for families uh, at the elementary level, if they can't pick up their children during those draft 11 days, they, 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 can, leave, they can keep their children there uh, and we would eliminate any inconvenience for them by running a second route for those students who chose to stay. Um, so we expect that we'll hear some more feedback uh, from parents, more feedback from, from teachers uh, and administrators, and we'll be soliciting that over the next few weeks. Uh, I, I don't project right now that we're going to be doing a formal survey of, of folks, but we will make sure that we increase the solicitation for their thoughts. Thank you. Mr. Brown. Thank you, Madam Chair. And I, first of all, I... I appreciate the decision to postpone it. I, I agree with that. I think that's exactly the right thing to do. One, one of the things that um, occurred to me in the last few days of, of asking questions, soliciting feedback from from the public and from from just anyone who wanted to provide it, is that there was opinions were kind of all over the map as far as what the answer should be. Um, and I'm sure you picked that up in the feedback you've gotten, Jason. Yeah. Um, so it occurs to me that, yes, we need to do more individually as board members to solicit our own input and provide that to you, which I commit to do. 
I strongly think, though, that there needs to be some formal way of the, of the district asking for feedback and having it be not relying on just anecdotal feedback from the board, from individual board members. I mean, that's going to be helpful, but it's not going to be as precise as something that came from the district. I think it's incumbent upon the district if you're asking for this change and, it, we, and you think that it's important enough to make the change, which you all made a strong case for at the work session. And, and I, said, I said on Thursday night that I thought the, the presentation was, was really good. The arguments were really strong. So if the substance of this is, is, uh, is important enough, I think there, there's, it's important enough to put something out there to, to the public to ask for that input. So I would suggest thinking of a way to do that. And there's survey tools that are fairly simple to use, I think, that could get you some kind of maybe not scientific feedback, but at least some more precise and formal feedback. So I would, so I would suggest that if you can. Um, the other question I have is, you know, I've kind of gotten mixed feedback from, from teachers about this process. And so I'm wondering, you know, we, we heard at the board at the work session that teachers were, I don't know if the word was overwhelmingly, but something to the effect of teachers were strongly in favor of this model. Um, were teachers, for lack of a better term, surveyed and asked for their feedback, you know, on a building by building basis? What, what was the process for getting that teacher input on this proposal? I was requested by the building leaders, uh, building teacher leaders, to find a way to get elementary school students planning time. Um, and, and like you, I've heard ex some examples in the past few days of some who might have said, I didn't participate in that. I, I, I don't want that. We do have 3,200 teachers. To your point, there will, there will be some disagreement among them. Uh, one, one of the elements of this that I, that I wonder about is the question of if something is being recommended that you're good with, you don't make comments. Uh, we've actually superintendents have been solicited in that context at the state level uh, in the context of TISA. If there's something you think is good, somebody else may say they don't like it and that element may be eliminated because you didn't speak to it. So I do anticipate that um, you're, you're going to hear more from teachers over the next few weeks, good or you know, pro or con, uh, based on that. But, but that's where it started. For, for, from the teacher side for me. Now we've been talking about this for months uh, internally with some external discussion, had a committee review it in October, if I'm not mistaken. And what I've consistently heard from the teacher leaders uh, is we need, we need similar time. Now I, I, I don't doubt that there will be multiple ideas about how that time can be can be cleaned. And, and, that's, and that's actually what I've picked up on from teachers and from parents too, is that there's not really a dispute over whether the the time is needed or the the there'd be value in doing this. Yeah, that's really not in question. It's more the how. Yeah, yeah. Thank you, Mr. Ha. Thank you, Chair. Uh, one of the things I was thinking of, and, and to kind of go with uh, the points that Mr. Brown, and Mr. Galbraith made about. Um, getting that feedback and if, if the board members are doing that independently, it'd be nice to have a common set of information to work off of. And I feel like the best source of that is the presentation, not just the PowerPoint in itself, 
but the commentary that goes along with it. I think the PowerPoint had some powerful examples that do need the talk track that goes along with it as well. Um, so I, I think it'd be helpful to direct folks to that. And if there's something that, that we've kind of been able to flesh out as far as a frequently asked questions to address the topics of transportation and what are the benefits of this? Why would we propose such a bold change? Maybe some of that could be articulated in a document that does solicit feedback, much as we do for uh, rezonings and, and other initiatives that we have, or as I you know, send an email to this email address or something like that. Not to be so prescriptive as that, but we do solicit feedback in many ways other than surveys. And I think in this particular case, it's important to have a one source of truth to describe the proposal and the pros and cons that have been articulated by staff and, and yourself, Superintendent Golden, uh, just so that people are, are at least responding to the same set of information when this is being considered. So how that is done, uh, you know, I, I, I'm not sure, but uh, I think that it would be important so that we're not playing telephone in distributing this information while we try to solicit feedback. Thank you for that. It does remind me of one of the comments that Mr. Welch made, and I'm paraphrasing it, um, but it, to your point, it is recorded and it's on our website. How you do a survey and how you ask a question can, has a potential to have a significant impact on the, on the outcome. Mr. Brown. Yeah, thank you, Madam Chair. I forgot to ask one thing. I apologize. Um, let's say we get to the June meeting and we're back discussing this again and there's not <clears throat> not consensus still at that point is is there a point at which calendar wise you need to make a go or no go decision on a calendar uh something that affects the calendar for next school year it's june thank you for that uh, uh yeah so yeah we 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 do expect at this stage we'll be asking for a vote and i i believe i have that responsibility to our elementary school teachers to ask for a vote Board members, thank you for the discussion. Uh, I'll just end my report with a big thank you to everyone who works for this district. I think we entered this year thinking it's going to be easy. <laughs> it's going to be a great year, and it has not been without its challenges and struggles. So we cannot thank you enough. Anyone who works for this district, thank you so much. And I know you're counting down the days and I hope you have a wonderful summer. Moving ahead to new business, the evaluation of the superintendent is an annual agenda item. And this vote is to approve the evaluation results that we discussed at our work session on Thursday night. Is there a motion to approve? Ms. Apria makes the motion, Mr. Mitchell makes the second. Is there any discussion? If there's no discussion, please cast your votes. Oh. Mr. Mitchell, just a moment, please. There you go. Go ahead. So I had communicated, I guess, to Ms. Osbrooks that there, one of my comments was transcribed incorrectly. Can I get that and corrected? I, I emailed you a few minutes ago. Okay. I saw that. I think you emailed me about 530. Yeah. So um, board members, the earlier today, um, Berger Mosley, firm reviewed the comments, double-checked them because they we determined there were some errors. 
So um, I believe everything has been corrected. Mr. Mitchell, if you will double check what is posted on the board agenda is, is the double checked and revised. And thank you. And so um, any other board members, if you find an error, let me know, but I believe they have all been resolved. Thank you, Mr. Mitchell. If there's no further questions or discussion, board members, please cast your votes. Your vote is 11 yes, zero no. Thank you, board members. The next 11 items are budget items. The first four are summer school related. And item one is approval of the general purpose school fund amendments for the bridge camps grant, Mr. Golden. Thank you, Madam Chair. This is the first of four items related to the state um, summer camp slash summer school bridge program. Uh, the structure that the state has for funding that state fully state funded program this year is to submit the funding request first and then be reimbursed. So these, these are the maximum funding dollars ava ava available from the state. We won't use it all, but we need to get this approved first for the state purposes. Do recommend approval. Is there a motion to approve? Mr. Welts makes the motion. Mr. Hall makes the second. Board members, any discussion? Please cast your votes. Your vote is 11 yes, zero no. Thank you, board members. The next item is approval of the general purpose school fund amendment for summer learning camps grant. Mr. Golden. Thank you, Madam Chair. Same explanation for this particular grant from the state, a similar program for, uh, for the summer school programs. Do recommend approval. Is there a motion to approve? Mr. Cash makes the motion. Ms. Apria makes the second. Board members, any discussion? Has anyone requested discussion? Got a little, oh, there we go, okay. Board members, no discussion is requested. Please cast your votes. Your vote is 11 yes, zero no. Thank you. The next item is approval of the general purpose school fund amendments for the stream mini camps grant. Mr. Golden. Thank you, Madam Chair. Same explanation. We do recommend approval. Do we have a motion to approve? Mr. Wimberly makes the motion. Ms. Priya makes the second. Board members, any discussion? I see no discussion requested. Please cast your votes. Your vote is 11 yes, zero no. Thank you, board members. The next item is approval of the general purpose school fund amendment for a summer transportation grant, Mr. Golden. Thank you, Madam Chair. This is the fourth of the summer school program grants. This one is obviously for, for transportation, but same explanation. Otherwise, we do recommend approval. Do you have a motion to approve? Mr. Brown, was that you? Okay. Mr. Brown makes the motion. Mr. Hall makes the second. Board members, any discussion? No discussion requested, please cast your votes.
Your vote is 11 yes, zero no. Thank you. The next item is approval of the general purpose school fund resolution for additional SSS expenses. Mr. Golden, would you please explain S at the, uh, as an acronym or abbreviation? I think SSS. it may be a both. Okay, great. Thank uh, you. Uh, Madam Chair, this is for student support services, uh, many of our special education um, services, uh, 504 services, et cetera. Uh, at the end of most every year, we do have an amendment to the budget for combination of legal services and private agencies based on IEP services. This is the budget amendment for this year. We do recommend approval for that. Is there a motion to approve? Ms. Cleveland makes the motion. Mr. Cash makes the second. Board members, any discussion? No requests for discussion. Board members, please cast your votes. Your vote is 11 yes, zero no. Thank you. The next item is approval of the general purpose school fund resolution for the trustee commission. Mr. Golden. Thank you, Madam Chair. There's a statutory description of, of the, uh, the amount of property tax we are to return to the county trustee's office based upon their work in collecting property tax. Uh, this is a required uh, transfer, and this is based on actual receipts of property tax and a percentage of that. Do recommend approval for this transfer back to the county. Motion to approve. Mr. Wimberly makes the motion. Second. Ms. Priya makes the second. Board members, any discussion? There you go. Thank you, John. I see no requests for discussion. Please cast your votes. Your vote is 11 yes, zero no. Thank you. The next item is the approval of the general purpose school fund resolution for the ESCO payment. Mr. Golden. Thank you, Madam Chair. This is the program that we entered into a few years ago to make some substantial capital improvements to our buildings funded by the energy savings. Uh, and uh, Mark Samuels gave you some detail about that at the work session where we are ahead of that. This is the annual payment for that. Again, paid out of savings. We do recommend approval. Board members, is there a motion to approve? Mr. Cash makes the motion. Is there a second? Mr. Galbraith makes the second. Board members, any requests to speak or discuss? I see none. Please cast your votes. Your vote is 11 yes, zero no. Our next item is approval of the general purpose school fund resolution for additional insurance expenses. Mr. Golden. Thank you, Madam Chair. This is the item that actually has a different number from the work session uh, based on the workers' compensation insurance. You can see the, uh, uh, the proposed adjustment is 375,000 for that. This, this item is, is a fairly typical item brought to you at the end of the budget year because it's based on actuals. Uh, the risk management office actually let Rachel Farmer know today that they anticipated the possibility of a, of a little bit more workers' comp um, claims. So we have adjusted that from the work session. We do recommend approval from you on this item. Is there a motion to approve? Mr. Welch makes the motion. Mr. Hall makes a second. Any discussion? 
Please cast your votes. Your vote is 11 yes, zero no. Thank you. The next item is approval of the general purpose school fund resolution for additional substitute pay expenses. Mr. Golden. Thank you, Madam Chair. This is a, a, a requested increase based on actuals for substitute pay. Uh, this current budget year followed the previous year with a lower budgeted amount for substitute teachers. Uh, we have had substantially more substitute teachers, especially, especially from a ratio perspective in the second semester as our fill rate has increased. We also have uh, what we call super subs, uh, two at each school that have been filling in. So this is a very substantial alteration to the budget based on the comparison of actuals versus what we budgeted for a little over a year ago. So do recommend approval. Is there a motion to approve? Ms. Supreme makes the motion, Ms. Durham makes a second. Was that, I'm sorry, was that a, okay, great. Um, any discussion board members? I see no discussion requested. Please cast your votes. Your vote is 11 yes, zero no. Thank you. Next up is the approval of the general purpose school fund resolution for additional fuel costs. Mr. Golden. Thank you, Madam Chair. Our fuel costs have been more than budgeted this year. No other explanation. Recommend approval. Motion to approve. Mr. Mitchell makes the motion. Is there a second? Ms. Apria makes a second. Board members, any discussion requested? John, if you'll flip that screen, please. Thank you. Mr. Galbraith. Go ahead. Ms. Farmer, do you any idea on what percentage increase this is over the over the for the total of the year? Forty. It's a forty percent. Forty percent increase. Wow. Right at forty. We were a million dollars budgeted with that. That's more than I thought, but not surprising. It's significant. Diesel largely. Thank you, Ms. Farmer. I don't see any other requests to speak. Board members, please cast your votes. Your vote is 11 yes, zero no. Thank you. The next item is the approval of Central Cafeteria Fund Resolutions Additional Cafeteria Expenses. Mr. Golden. Thank you, Madam Chair. This uh, end of year adjustment for our food service department uh, includes the pay increase that you all approved back in February plus increase in food cost and related expenses. At the same time, we have had an increase in sales. So there is sufficient fund balance in the food service uh, um, budget for this, to, for this to work. So we do recommend approval of this adjustment. Thank you. Is there a motion to approve? Mr. Brown makes the motion. Mr. Mitchell makes the second. Board members, any questions or discussion? Mr. Brown. Thank you, Madam Chair. Similar question to Jay's on the previous item. What Do we know the percentage increase in food costs? I'm going to defer to Rachel or uh, Rachel Farmer or Mark Samuels for that and ask if either one of them uh, has that information. Twenty-three percent. 
I don't see any other questions. Board members, please cast your votes. Your vote is 11 yes, zero no. Thank you. The next item is the approval of the ESA grants, and this is an annual agenda item, Mr. Golden. Thank you, Madam Chair. Uh, the ESEA grants are, as you mentioned, uh, annual budgets, annual budget items. We do recommend approval, your approval of these grant figures. And uh, Ms. Farmer is here, of course, if you have any questions. Do we have a motion to approve? Mr. Wimberly makes the motion to approve. Do we have a second? Mr. Cash makes the second. Board members, any discussion? Mr. Golden, I would ask for you to clarify what these are for the public. Thank please. you. These ESEA grants are, in essence, our federal grant package. Uh, they include uh, what uh, Perkins grants, um, Every Student Succeeds Act grants, et cetera. Thank you. Thank you, John, for uh, uh, adding the top of that. Thank you. Mr. Galbraith. Thank you, Madam Chair. Uh, Ms. Farmer, I've, is this the totality of our of our federal funding? It is to this point. There could be additional funding that comes through, but this is the basic, what we start out with each year that we know is a carryover from year to year. Okay. And so this represents a... I mean, I, I know people. We're talking about we're talking about funding for for schools, and so um, this on our. I mean, I'm thinking about our our next year's budget. This year's budget was what like more more around four twenty something like that for the for this current school year for the is, federal project. No total total, total oh, revenues four twenty four hundred twenty eight million is okay. where we so to, to your point, Mr. Galbraith, our federal funding is somewhere around two percent of our total so budget. That's close to two percent. Mm -hmm. So um, most of right. I just want to make sure that everybody understands that we're we're not we're not getting we're not getting a ton of money from the feds, but but also um, is there do we do anything? Um, I guess strings attached, or the, these are all four specific programs that we have to fund. And to the extent that we that we get this money, are I guess we, we always talk about unfunded mandates. So are are these programs funding the programs? Are the, is this are these grants funding the programs that they're asking us to do? Or are we using state and local dollars to, to do these? I will speak to that question generally, and then ask Ms. Farmer if she would to speak perhaps more specifically. Most of these federal funds fun are partially funding programs that we must have. Um, our practice is if there's a federal fund available, that's first priority to fund it. Uh, and if we have additional work that we need to do, it has to come out of state or local. Thank you. I got a, I got a head nod. So. Thank you. Board members, if you'll please proceed with casting your votes. Your vote is 11 yes, zero no. Thank you. Moving on to board policy second reading. Uh, the first policy for second reading tonight is 4.600, report cards and grading systems. Mr. Golden. Thank you, Madam Chair. Uh, as you mentioned, this is second reading. Traditionally, we put second reading on the agenda for the, for the uh, consent agenda. 
uh, but we wanted to make sure that we added this for a for a separate vote based on the discussion we had at the work session. Do recommend approval of these blue line changes. Thank you. Board members, do we have a motion to approve? Mr. Haw makes the motion to approve. Is there a second? Ms. Apria makes the second. Board members, any requests for discussion? I see none. Please cast your votes. Your vote is 11 yes, zero no. Thank you. The next board policy for second reading is policy 4.6051, credit requirements for graduation, Mr. Golden. Thank you, Madam Chair. Likewise, this is for second reading. Uh, and I do want to mention one um, content uh, piece of this. High school courses taken in middle school will now be able to earn a letter grade rather than a pass-fail uh, with passage of this. So we do recommend approval. Thank you. Is there a motion to approve? Ms. Apria makes the motion. Mr. Mitchell makes the second. Board members, any discussion? I see none. Please cast your votes. Your vote is 11 yes, zero no. Thank you. The next item is board policies for first reading. Uh, the first one is Board Policy 1.901, Charter School Applications. Mr. Golden. Thank you, Madam Chair. Uh, we had a substantial discussion at the, at the Board Policy Committee meeting and the work session related to this. Uh, the core of uh, the recommendation here is that if a charter school applicant goes through the full state process with two processes uh, um, of review, if the board turns it down twice and it is approved by the state, the recommendation would be that the state actually that, that, that we are actually not the um, for lack of a better term Dana I may have the term wrong monitoring organization or responsible organization so we do recommend approval at first reading thank you is there a motion to approve Mr. Hall makes the motion to approve Ms. Cleveland makes the second any discussion board members I see none please vote your vote is 11 yes zero no Thank you. The next policy for first reading is policy 4.205, enrollment in advanced courses, and this is a new policy. Thank you, Madam Chair. We do recommend approval at first reading for this uh, proposed new policy that reflects uh, TSBA recommendations and uh, uh, state law from 2021 that is referenced in that policy. Recommend approval. Thank you. Is there a motion to approve? Mr. Hall makes the motion to approve. Second. Mr. Mitchell makes a second. Board members, any discussion? Mr. Mitchell. Thank you, Madam Chair. Uh, Mr. Golden and Dr. Webb, I'd like to uh, ask that next month in our uh, policy meeting, we discuss possibly maybe adding something or at least creating a SOP where students doing dual enrollment, uh, that there be some type of parental acknowledgement that uh, there is not necessarily the tracking of grading and tracking of, of progress in that class. I know that every year at this time we have students that, and parents that all of a sudden are discovering that they're not passing the college class and that they're at risk of not graduating and that we don't have the oversight of these required classes, especially if the dual enrollment 
is a requirement for graduation. And so I think we need to increase our communication at the parent level indicating that uh, that there is not, they won't necessarily, if they're not looking at the grades at the middle of the semester or um, that there's a risk of not graduating if the student doesn't pass the class. Thank you for that suggestion. For, to, use, to use vernacular, they're college teachers teaching college classes and they treat them like college students. And they may not. Right, if they don't show up for the class, there's not calls home gotcha. that your student didn't show. It's very much a yeah. college class. And, and uh, we're not, and you're, every year we're having students that are, you know, having to do uh, summer school, for lack of a better term, to make up for that lost credit. I see no one else requesting to speak. Board members, please cast your votes. Your vote is 11 yes, zero no. Thank you. The next policy for first reading is an, an also a new policy, policy 6.300, Code of Conduct. Mr. Golden. Thank you, Madam Chair. This uh, proposed policy is part of our um, process for standardizing discipline. Uh, as uh, you all can see, there are different levels of uh, misbehaviors with, with recommended uh, ranges of discipline. We do recommend approval for this uh, draft at first reading. Thank you. Is there a motion to approve? Ms. Cleveland makes the motion and Mr. Hall makes the second. Mr. Mitchell. Thank you, Madam Chair. Uh, Mr. Golden, could you, uh, given the use case that occurred, uh, I guess, this week at Ravenwood, can you indicate where that, that would fall in this new policy? Well, I did not investigate that particular um, that particular incident, so I can't speak to any particular student's uh, behavior uh, that, that you've asked for, but I can speak in more general terms. Misbehaviors, uh, level three and four, victimization of any student, harassment, sexual, racial, ethnic, religious, bullying, cyberbullying, and or hazing. Likewise, that language that I just read off level three is also in level four. Uh, and so there's a potential, depending on the surrounding facts and circumstances, for it to be a much more uh, serious discipline uh, at, at, uh, at those different levels. And the discipline, if we could read those off for those two levels of, of infractions, I guess. This level of misbehavior includes acts which result in violence to another person or property or which pose a threat to the safety of others in the school. These acts are so serious that they usually require administrative actions which result in the immediate removal of the student from the school and the intervention of law enforcement authorities. That's level four. Level three, this level includes acts directly against the persons or property but whose consequences do not seriously endanger the health or safety of others, safety of others at the school. And the disciplinary options, as I read there, is in-school suspension, detention, restitution. That is correct. Out of school, suspensions, and, and uh, ALC. And the Alternative Learning Center. Yes, sir. Thank you. So just to give a little visual, there's a potential for some of the disciplines on these to overlap. Right, depending upon the, and, and then the investigation and the severity of the infraction would determine 
basically which of the two that's correct levels it would land okay thank you thank you i believe we had another yes mr galbraith thank you madam chair that and thank you mr mitchell as a, my exact question was to delineate the fact that this is in in both three and four and it's a it's a subject of um of the actual the incident but but at a minimum it's it's three and in, in these things but just wanted to speak to um speaks to speak to the comments and and one that one particularly particularly that stuck with me um of one of the speakers um and and just a reflection on on us as a school system and um and where we are in, in terms of um in terms of not not promoting um racism but doing doing what we can to to ensure that it um that it has a, as minimal effect on our students as as possible um and one thing i heard that that i think is completely on on us as as the board policy administration um is the consistent predictable and repeat having consistent repeatable and predictable consequences and so um, I mean, that's one thing that we we can put in policy. And I think this is this is certainly a, I don't know if it's a step to to do more or more a, a reflection of of what we are already doing. Um, but communicating it effectively and and making it policy, I think, is a, a good thing uh, as well as um, as well as putting it in, making it consistent in the handbooks and probably uh, communication around what that looks like for for students next fall is 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 also on your on your plate correct Mr. It, yes sir that it is and a key element of this and so many other discipline issues is letting students know your standards on the front end and then adhering to them every time thank you and so just as a point of clarification our our board is the policy making body but you mentioned administration of policy as well. Just, just to clarify for the public who's listening, administration of the policy is the staff's responsibility. That's correct. Okay, thank you. Mr. Mitchell. Thank you, Madam Chair. I, also, one other thing I, I guess for the public to point out, this is the first reading. We'll review this again uh, next month at both the policy meeting, I guess, and we'll have an opportunity to talk about it at at a work session and then uh, additional public comments and discussion here uh, as well. So if there are people who are, uh, feel like they would like to uh, give feedback on how this is coded out and, and, and explained, that's, there was opportunity to do that. I don't see any further requests to speak. Board members, please cast your votes. Your vote is 11 yes, zero no. Thank you. The final policy for first reading tonight is policy 6.307, drug-free schools, and this is also a new policy. Mr. Golden. Thank you, Madam Chair. Uh, uh, Dana Osbrooks uh, prepared this, and thank you, Ms. Osbrooks, for preparing this uh, for first reading. Uh, drug-free schools with some detail related to that. Uh, that's based on some Tennessee laws, plus cross-references to some other policies of ours, including zero-tolerance offenses and student suspension or expulsion. Uh, this is for first reading. Do recommend approval. 
Thank you. Is there a motion to approve? Ms. Apria makes the motion. Mr. Mitchell makes the second. Board members, any discussion? No discussion requested. Please cast your votes. Your vote is 11 yes, 0 no. Thank you. The next item is an annual agenda item, and it's the approval of the PECA Memorandum of Understanding. Mr. Golden. Thank you, Madam Chair. Uh, every three years, uh, our teachers go through the process of letting us know whether they want to continue the PECA process, which is the Professional Educators Collaborative Conferencing Act, because we do live by acronyms, uh, as you mentioned earlier. Uh, our teachers went through that process, uh, started in December. Actually, they provided us with some signatures in December. We, we, we provided a, a state-required survey of teachers. As part of that survey, the teachers select who they want to represent them at the table. As a result of that selection, uh, the, the, uh, the, the PECA process, those PECA representatives that you see referenced on the board uh, with that first line, uh, it, um, are those who were selected by the teachers. The, the teacher decision left uh, ex them exclusively represented by PECA representatives selected by the Williamson County Education Association. As part of that process, you can see a, a highlighted yellow version of the proposal for this year that reflects changes compared to the prior version. Uh, but I do want to make sure everyone knows that whether someone is a member of the WCA or not, the representatives there sitting in for PECA ensure that upon your vote, this agreement, this MOU, applies to all our teachers. Uh, and so you are committing yourself to all our teachers with your vote uh, tonight. We do recommend approval. Of, uh, of the 2022-25 MOU. Thank you, Mr. Golden. I'll make the motion to approve. Is there a second? Mr. Cash makes a second. Board members, any discussion? And John, if you'll please flip that screen back. Thank you so much. I see no request to speak. Board members, please cast your votes. Your vote is 11 yes, zero no. Thank you. Our final agenda item for tonight is the approval of the certified and classified pay schedules for the 2022-23 school year. Mr. Golden. Thank you, Madam Chair. We have our recommended uh, pay scales that range from the professional pay scale for our teachers to supplements to curriculum uh, specialist salaries to classified positions. Uh, and we have, a, we have a number of, uh, of items related to that. I know that we had some, some, a brief discussion at the work session, but I want to point out a piece of that. County government standard for budgets for this year was a 2% raise this fall. That was in part based on county government's decision uh, that took effect in February of a dollar an hour pay raise for all their employees. We, at the time in February, gave a dollar an hour pay increase to our hourly employees and a 3% to our teachers. 
one of the goals you set for me was to make a recommendation based on market conditions. The market conditions for us are very different than a 2% pay raise for this fall. This recommendation reflects that includes substantial increases for for certain positions uh, ranging from special education bus attendant where if i'm not mistaken um, uh, we we have we have a proposed pay increase that's that's in the 30 percent range and all, all the way down to to smaller smaller uh, pay ranges based upon market conditions this is a significant change from last year a couple of examples the zero experience bachelor's pay increase from fall of last year to fall of this year, if this passes and if our budget passes, goes from $40,150, if I'm not mistaken, Ms. Hall, to $45,000. Uh, at the other end, there is likewise a substantial increase for the more experienced teachers. Our hope is that this can provide a combination of retention and recruitment, but we know that there will be constant motion with this because the market is changing so fast. So we, we do recommend this approval uh, for, uh, for to take effect in July. And uh, Ms. Hall and some others are here if you have any specific questions. Thank you. Mr. Golden, is there a motion to approve? Mr. Mitchell makes the motion and Ms. Apria makes the second. Board members, any questions? I, I do want to say uh, very appreciative of staff e staff's efforts throughout this year. Um, you've been handed lots of different variables and asked to participate in this at, at unique times during the year. And so um, thank you for, for your continuing efforts with this with these classified um, and professional pay scale. Any other requests to speak? Mr. Brown. Thank you, Madam Chair. I, I think everybody would agree that what you see on this chart is is not adequate in, in the big scheme of things. I think we'd all agree with that. And we hear it over and over again from, from teachers and we, and we know it to be true. But I guess the, the question I've, I've always wondered is, wondered the answer to is what, what is realistic when you think about the context of public education more broadly um, whether it be in Tennessee, whether it be in other jurisdictions, other states, I mean, where do you where do you see the range for a starting teacher going up to, let's say, in another state or another locale? I mean, when when you, when you put it in the context of we're used to that forty thousand dollar number being thrown around, and we're moving it to forty five. Clearly, it's not enough. Clearly, not enough in Williamson County or maybe anywhere. But by comparison. What, what do you see other places? I'll give you an example. The Tennessee Education Association annually produces uh, charts that show rankings for each, what we call LEA, another acronym, local education agency, uh, school systems in the state. Uh, this current year, before we had our mid-year pay raise, our zero experience bachelor's teachers were, if I'm not mistaken, 68th county, uh, statewide. That's Tennessee. This change, if nobody else changes, will bring us up into the high teens, if I'm not mistaken. But the reality is others will be moving as well. Our average 
was somewhere, if I'm not mistaken, I'm, I'm not going to get the exact number, somewhere in the low 30s when you took when they took every every bit of our pay chart and analyzed it. So that state, Middle Tennessee, is a little higher on the cost of living compared to other portions of Tennessee. We ought to be on the higher end of Tennessee because the cost of living here is higher. Likewise, we have had many discussions about housing in this area. You've addressed that in part with recruiting and retention with um, the significant reduction in the teacher uh, the teacher tuition rate as, a, as one more recruiting tool uh, for, for those who can use that. Our neighbors, I can't speak to specific dollars um, related to other states. We hear stories. Um, we know that as an example, Mississippi recently greatly increased their pay. Historically, Mississippi has had a reputation for being one of the lowest paying systems in the country, uh, in part, I suppose because of their cost of living. But again, they're seeing some changes. Um, I'm gonna invite Ms. Hall to see if she has some specifics related to that. But we are finding ourselves recruiting brand new teachers out of state. Uh, that includes recruiting at some of the colleges in Ohio. Middle Tennessee is a magnet right now for growth. Uh, and, and Ms. Hall may have some specifics related to what she and her staff hears when they go on recruiting trips out of state. And I may, I may mention a little bit after her answer. Let me, one. now you are. Okay, good. Um, I did attend a national conference this fall with other um, school personnel officers across the country. And one of the points that was discussed in that meeting was how quickly you could get or a district could get a teacher to $75,000. That was kind of the general tone and the goal um, of that session that we were in. And they had um, done research about how $75,000 is a, a monetary amount that is, is comfortable for um, individuals to live. It's, it's where they're not um, stressed about money um, at that point. So that was, that was eye-opening because I, I think it takes our teachers quite a while to get to $75,000. So that was one point. Um, and I, I did um, speak with some other uh, people from other districts in the state of Tennessee last week. And one thing that I hear over and over is those districts that are borderline, like with Georgia and with Kentucky, often lose teachers to those uh, neighboring states because, you know, it's just competitive there. And if I may add one piece to that, because that's actually a great segue, I am cautiously optimistic about TISA. About 85% of our total budget is people. The TISA projections include Williamson County schools receiving double figures in the millions more from the state than we have in the past. Right now, about two thirds of our budget comes from local, from the decisions our county commission makes. A little bit less than a third, if I'm not mistaken, comes from state government and then the 2% from federal. When the state bumps that up in another year, I project that we're going to have the ability to compete with our neighboring states a little bit better than we have historically. 
Mr. Brown, are you done? Uh, yeah, thank you. Okay. Mr. Cash. Try again, Mr. Cash. We're having. <laughs> You're welcome. Try again. Can you hear me? No, oh, there we go. Um, <laughs> it's. Yeah. We're having a little problem with the mics. Tonight. Right. I just, yeah. I just like to uh, thank the staff and, and, and Mr. Golden for uh, making it possible for the teachers to get a more equitable raise. And uh, I'm sure they, they all appreciate it. But I would also like to see us work harder on uh, getting a better, more equitable raise for our secretaries, uh, service people, uh, skilled trades uh, folks. Um, I was looking at some of the wage scales, and it takes years to get up uh, to, to uh, I think, what I feel is the average for those folks. And uh, I'm afraid we're going to lose some of those if we don't uh, also pay a little bit more attention in that area. Thank, thank you, sir. Thank you for that. We agree with that. I think the consensus of the comments tonight is that this is not the end. This is this is part of the process. Board members, I don't see anyone else requesting to speak, so please cast your votes. Your vote is 11 yes, zero no. Thank you, everyone. Um, I'd like to thank John Spurlock tonight for uh, subbing in to... Um, record our votes and run the, the video and, the, and our tools. It's not an easy job. You did a great job. You're welcome to come back anytime. Thank you. And with that, our meeting is dismissed. Thank you.